Father, we want to thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and Saviour, so that we can enter your kingdom and have eternal life. Come we now to preach your word faithfully and clearly. Give us concentration in the midst of this storm. Help us all to respond rightly, not just hearing your words, but doing your will, that we will not fall on that final day, but be welcomed into your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's essential in life that we choose our path wisely. It's essential in life that we choose our path wisely. When Suman and I were married, we had our honeymoon in Krabi, Thailand, beautiful place. And on one of the days, we made a spur-of-the-moment decision to hike up one of the nearby mountains to see the beautiful views of everything that was surrounding. The problem was we started the trip much too late. It was already about three or so in the afternoon. And we were poorly equipped. We climbed up in our slippers. But we did make it to the top to witness the spectacular views. Uh, but it was not for very long because it was already clear that the sun was beginning to set. So I remember very vividly the journey back down the mountain to the hotel. It was getting darker and darker by the minute. There was no one else to guide us along the path. At a few points, there were various forks in the road, and we needed to try and remember which was the way that we had come. My stomach was so tense. I felt so stupid to have made such a, you know, maybe a bad decision right at the beginning of our marriage and prayed desperately it wouldn't end up in disaster with us spending the night out lost in the jungle. Well, thankfully God was merciful. We made it back to the hotel. Thankfully my wife is very forgiving and we're still married. But experiences like that remind us that we need to make wise decisions and choose the right path in life. Well, in this passage from Matthew 7, we're right at the end of Jesus' sermon in the Mount, on the Mount. It's a sermon all about kingdom living. And Jesus has sought to restore the bar of God's righteousness that has been lowered by the Pharisees. Uh, they've been uh, hypocritical teachers who've lowered the bar so that they could keep it. Jesus has said some things like this, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Or be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so here as we come to the end of this sermon, Jesus leaves us with three parables that challenge us how we will respond to his word. We've got the narrow and wide path, the good and the bad tree, and the wise and the foolish builder. And each of these parables challenges us. Will we choose the right path, the path to life, or the wrong path that leads to destruction? Will we obey what he said, or will we be hearers only who don't put it into practice? So let's look at each in turn. Firstly, the narrow and the wide path. And uh, we read in uh, verse uh, 13, Matthew, 5 and verse, uh, Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few 
find it. So Jesus reminds us here that not everyone is going to end up in the kingdom of God. In fact, most people are not going to end up in the kingdom. There's a wide path that many people will take that leads to destruction in the end. The narrow gate, uh, the hard way, that's the way of Jesus. Submitting to his kingship, hearing his teaching, obeying his word. But that's not an easy path, is it? I mean, in this sermon, Jesus had said some pretty radical and challenging things. You know, go the extra mile, uh, love your enemies, forgive others or God won't forgive you, you can't serve God and money, do to others as you would wish they do unto you, and so on. Right? It's been a very challenging and convicting sermon. Jesus' way is hard. Jesus' gate is narrow. Uh, it's not the kind of easy and wide gate of the Pharisees who've lowered God's law so much that it's achievable. Jesus demands perfection. He demands us to be like God. But Jesus warns us the narrow way, narrow gate, the, his way, that's the only path to life. It would be much easier to set aside his word, as many indeed do, as the Pharisees did, but that's the path to destruction in the end. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the path that leads to destruction. Well, secondly, we then have the good and the bad tree. And once again, uh, Jesus has uh, false teachers like the Pharisees in mind as he's speaking this. Uh, the parable teaches us that true teaching and false teaching can be distinguished by the fruit that results from it. So he says in verse 15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. See, the problem with false teachers is that they don't usually come wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm a false teacher. <laughs> that would be easy, isn't it? Quite the opposite. Normally, false teachers will mimic the real thing in order to get a hearing from people. Uh, there's a Korean cult that's been quite active among the students here in Penang. Uh, you've probably heard of it, called Salt and Light. And what they would do is contact students on social media and invite them to attend a Bible study or to do a survey. Uh, and they'd say, oh, we have Anglicans in our group or Baptists in our group, uh, depending who they were talking to, uh, to make it sound like it was kind of mainstream. And if you attended, they, they wouldn't introduce their very deviant teachings first. They'd, they'd try and gain your trust. And only once they'd got you in, then they'd bring in all the other stuff. And, and having been exposed and condemned multiple times, they keep changing their name uh, in order to keep targeting new victims. And that's the problem with false teachers, you see. Very often, it tries to masquerade as the real thing. And it may be 95% correct and 5% wrong, but the 5% is the difference between a sheep and a ravenous wolf between heaven and hell. So Jesus gives us a test to recognize false teachers, and that is to look at the fruit of their lives. He says in verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, I'm no farmer, uh, but I do know that you will never get oranges from an apple tree you'll never get durians from a mangosteen tree, and so on, right? Uh, now, the fruit might take some time to grow on the tree. You might not be able to tell at first, 
But as soon as the fruit comes, you know what kind of, of tree it is. And so Jesus continues in verse 17. Uh, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus is saying that when it comes to Christian teaching, by simply looking at the, the fruit of it, you will be able to tell whether it is healthy or it is not. Uh, because ultimately the, the life and the ministry of the teacher will reveal whether they are a false teacher or they are a true teacher. False teaching inevitably leads to bad fruit. And that's why it's important that we observe the character of those who preach to us and not just listen to their words alone. It's one of the dangers, I guess, if you watch a lot of preaching online on YouTube, you don't really know what their life is like. So Jesus continues in verse 21 with a, with a serious warning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now that's a very sobering verse, isn't it? It's one that some of us will have lost sleep over. And Jesus is saying that there will be people who call themselves Christians but they're not going to be in heaven at the end. Because the character of their life does not match the confession of their tongues. I mean, a wolf can say it's a sheep, uh, but it doesn't mean that it is a sheep. And Jesus can tell the difference, and he will judge accordingly. So what marks out a true sheep from a false one? Jesus says that the sheep is the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, it's not just about what someone says, but it's about how they live. And by observing someone's life, you'll be able to see whether they're a true sheep, uh, the real deal, or they're a false sheep, or they're a wolf, they're a false teacher. Their life will reveal it. And so Jesus continues in verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I think this verse is really important for us to understand. Because today it is very common to encounter preachers who point to miracles and prophecies to argue that they have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they are anointed, that they can preach powerful sermons and so on, and that these miracles are the proof of it. And we can easily be deceived and not recognize them for who they are. And that is wolves, you know, false teachers masquerading as sheep, people who twist the scriptures and teach what is false, people whose arrogance and anger gives away their true state. We must beware. Jesus says of these people, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So just because someone is a pastor or is ordained doesn't mean that they belong to Jesus. Uh, we need to see behind the hype and perceive the reality. 
Signs and wonders alone don't prove that someone is from God. Uh, in Exodus, the Egyptian magicians also did some amazing miracles too that mimicked those that Moses did, but they weren't from God. In Revelation 13, the false prophet who is empowered by Satan also does miracles. We read of this in Revelation 13. Uh, it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. And by the signs that it's allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So the signs and the wonders are used by Satan to deceive people to worship the beast instead of Jesus. And in Matthew 25, later in this gospel, Jesus warns that false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, if possible even the elect. And so we must not be so gullible to be led astray by false teachers who dress themselves as sheep, but are in fact teaching a false gospel, a charismatic gospel of signs and wonders, prosperity and abundance. And we will be led astray if we focus only on the miracles and not on the words of what they're actually saying. And I fear, I think this happens all too often in our Anglican circles. I think many, many times we are so unfamiliar with uh, right doctrine and how to interpret the Bible faithfully that when a false teacher does come, we, we welcome them without even realizing that we're doing it. And we give them a pulpit to share their destructive teachings with others. But at the very least, if we can't spot them by their teaching, Jesus says we must learn to spot them from their way of life the fruit of their ministry and their lives, and not be led astray. Now, of course, when Jesus says here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, he's, he's not just talking about false teachers, though. He's also warning us personally, too, that words alone do not make us a Christian. Our real faith is made evident by the fruit of our lives. It's not enough to say, oh, I'm a Christian or I've been baptised and confirmed, or I'm semi-regular in my church attendance, or whatever it is. Those things are not what makes me a Christian and going to heaven. Jesus is not after armchair disciples who only listen, but never do. A Christian is someone who trusts in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, and so does his will in their lives, and obeys his word. So Jesus wants more than pew warmers. He wants real repentance. He wants radical change in our life. And so I think it's worth asking ourselves this morning, does the fruit of my life show that my faith is real or fake? Am I doing the, the, the will of God in my life or not? Am I loving my enemies? Am I turning aside from anger and lust? Am I seeking God's praise and not man's praise? Am I seeking God's kingdom instead of earthly treasures and so on? Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, Jesus uh, brings his sermon to a climactic close with the parable of the wise and the foolish builder, we see in verse 24. Therefore, 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So in the parable, there's two people, two houses, two results, and we're forced to consider which one is me. Uh, the storm Jesus is referring to here is the storm of God's judgment. It's not just the difficult things that happen in life. The image is drawn here from Ezekiel 13. There God pronounces his judgment on false teachers who are saying uh, peace when there is no peace. And God declares that he will come in a storm in judgment. He says this, Therefore thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath. There shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And so Jesus declares here that there's a judgment day to come. And it's how we respond to his word that will determine whether we stand or we fall on that day. Jesus alone is the true teacher who can bring us into the kingdom of God if we build our lives on him. But notice again, hearing Jesus' word is not enough here. The wise man who survives the storm not only hears Jesus' words, but he does Jesus' words. False disciples hear Jesus' words and then they, they walk away and do nothing. Jesus, again, can tell the difference. So I guess as we conclude Jesus' sermon and, and also this one, let me pose the same challenge that Jesus poses here. Are you listening to Jesus' word, or are you listening to another voice, the voice of a false teacher? Are you obeying Jesus' word, or are you hearing only and failing to respond? Does your life show the fruit of the kingdom, or does your life show that your discipleship is a fake? I think it is very common in our Anglican circles to find what we might call Sunday Christians, isn't it? Christians that are in name only, but not in their actions. So, you know, Christian on Sunday morning, but not in the workplace. Or Christian on their IC card, but not when they drive their car. Or Christian on their baptism certificate, but not at home when they're with their family. Jesus reminds us here, hearing only is not sufficient. We must submit to Jesus' Lordship and therefore live our lives according to his word. Uh, so will you build your life on Jesus' words? Perhaps our life is segmented and there are commands of Jesus that we obey and there are commands of Jesus that we don't. Or there are parts of my life that I give to Jesus, and there are parts of my life that I don't. We need to listen to Jesus' words here. If we hear, but we don't obey, then when the storms of God's judgment come, we will fall. So it's essential in life that we choose our path wisely, 
if we'd uh, strayed off the path that day on my honeymoon. It would have been scary and dangerous, but uh, I guess we probably would have survived. But it's one thing to stray off the path and get, get lost in the jungle. It's another thing entirely to depart from the path of Jesus' word. We've seen today, Jesus says, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So will you choose the narrow gate, the good fruit, the wise life? Will you build your life on Jesus by hearing his words and putting them into practice? Avoiding false teaching, bearing good fruit, and when you do, when the flood of God's judgment comes at the end, you'll be absolutely secure. Well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for speaking to us these words of your Son. Help us, Lord, as we go away from here, not to hear only, but to obediently live out your will for our lives. Help us to perceive and avoid false teaching. Help us to bear the fruit of faith in our lives. Help us to obey you in all parts of life and not just those parts that we like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.